Welcome to Lockdown Heat. On today's show, Miami was riding high on Thursday night, but the Boston Celtics bracket them back down to earth with a 95-78 blowout. And adding injury to insult, Kyle Lowry hobbled to the locker room with a sprained ankle. We'll recap everything that went wrong next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Friday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening via YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. Da, 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 da. I am loving it. Now, somebody who wasn't there was the Miami Heat. Unfortunately, on Thursday night, they were welcoming the Boston Celtics. Really didn't show up for much of the game. It was a sluggish start from the Heat. They eventually clawed their way back, cutting to a lead, uh, lead to eight, eight points, and then eventually just kind of fell apart, particularly because of the loss of Kyle Lowry. Duncan Robinson tried to take the charge on a play, wound up hitting the floor a little bit too strongly for my liking, kind of uh, slipped backwards and slid right into Kyle Lowry's ankle. As of this recording, we don't have any kind of update whatsoever. I'm here, of course, with Wes Goldberg. Wes, you're there at FTX Arena. You watched today's game. What was your takeaway from Kyle's injury? And, uh, of course, what you heard from Eric Spolstra at the press conference. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look good, right? I mean, he he hit the ground pretty hard, immediately just kind of took a long time to get up and hopped to uh, the locker room under his own power, which I guess in some respects could be a good sign. Uh, on the other hand, he was hopping, right? And that's not a good sign, um, especially for an older player. You start to worry about those ankle injuries. So the thing about ankle injuries, you don't ever really know how it's going to respond the night of, right? Like that's the thing that kind of has swelling overnight, and then you kind of see how it responds the next day. And that's exactly what Spo said after the game. He was asked about it. He said, We'll see, but Kyle Lowry, he says he's like Jimmy Butler. Like, if you ask him after a game, he'll be like, I'm fine. Um, but it is noticeable that he didn't he didn't try to return to the game. Granted, it was a blowout. So maybe there was, like, why why risk it? Maybe that was right. part of the logic, too. But uh, we should know more. Like you said, we're recording this Thursday night for Friday morning. Uh, hopefully we'll know more Friday, but uh, it doesn't. we might not because it doesn't sound like the Heat are going to practice or shoot around or anything like that. It's sort of a, a get-what-you-need day, just some film study and stuff like that. So there's not going to be any media availability tomorrow either. So we might not know for a couple of days. Right. And Miami doesn't play again until Saturday when they host the Utah Jazz at FTX Arena. So that gives Kyle a couple of days potentially to recover. Of course, yeah. they also go on a long road trip after that game against Utah. So that's going to pose some interesting questions that we'll talk about later on in the show. But overall, Kyle's injury just seemed to kind of take the wind out of Miami's sails. They weren't exactly in the game to begin with. They were struggling all night, as I mentioned before. Then eventually they started tightening the grip on their defensive presence a little bit. They started forcing Boston into tough shots. They had done a pretty okay job overall of limiting Boston. They were shutting down Jason Tatum in particular, limiting his open looks and challenging every one of his shots. And then eventually they just kind of expanded that defense, started playing with a little bit more effort. At least that's the way it appeared to me. And then there again, like they were able to cut a lead down to eight points midway through the third quarter. It felt like maybe they were on their way to a comeback win. But unfortunately, they just weren't able to mount anything for a sustainable amount of time. 
just an ugly overall game. I, I, I can't look. They were out rebounded for the first time all season. I know that's a big part of it. I also know that looking at the game, there, it looked like Miami style, something that we had kind of just we had talked about this in a previous episode that maybe they were relying a little bit too much on these fast break opportunities, not getting wide open looks from the perimeter, not able to knock down those shots when they were open. Only five fast break points tonight for the Heat as opposed yeah. to 19 versus Dallas in their previous win. Miami's offense was just completely discombobulated. They just didn't have any sort of identity out there. What was it like for you? What did you see as far yeah. as Miami's offense and their, their issues in trying to get the ball up court? Yeah, you know, Spolster talked about Boston switching defense in their length at the in post game and stuff like that. And obviously that bothered him. He said it sort of just got them out of their stuff, right? And the Heat weren't getting into their stuff. Um, but also, you know, this is a team that they they led by eight in the first quarter. Uh, Boston outscores them 33 to nine in that second quarter. They go the final seven minutes and 20 seconds of that second quarter with just one made basket. I mean, yeah, that's that's not even just bad offense. That's it's not bad execution. It was just a night where it was bad shooting. And you mentioned, yeah. you said it earlier. I mean, it was an ugly night. I mean, it was an ugly night. It's not like Boston played any good. They only scored 95 points, right? Like Miami's right. defense still kept them under 90, under hundred points, which is your favorite thing going on for, for them. It's just both teams just sort of sucked shooting overall. That's a thing that's been following Boston throughout the season. For the most part, it hasn't bothered Miami, but tonight it just did. You mentioned the rebounding advantage. I mean, they were out rebounded by three rebounds, everything else. Like, it's not that big of a difference. You know, they went to the line a comparable amount of times, Boston 20 times. Uh, Miami took 19 free throws. The the, the rebounding wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't even – yeah, Boston outrebounded them by one rebound, 46 one to rebound. 45. Sa- yeah. Same amount – roughly the same amount of assists, roughly the same amount of turnovers. I mean, even roughly the same amount of steals. I mean, everything was about the same except Miami shot 34.6%. 22% from three-point range. Boston shot 39.7%, 39% from three-point range. Basically, they just shot the ball a little bit uh, better than Miami. And that's kind of what the game came down to. I don't I don't know if this really was an execution thing. I think, there, obviously, there's going to be things Spo wants to iron out. But you could say that about any game, right? I just This just wasn't their night. So we'll talk a little bit about Duncan Robinson because he's taking a lot of heat, no pun intended, from uh, fans right now because he did struggle from his shooting, took 17 three-point attempts, was only able to knock down, what, five of those? Uh, five of 17 from the floor yeah. of all of them, three-point shots. Not a great night for him, but not a great night for anybody, as you mentioned. P.J. Tucker has been pretty good from the corners. There's just one of five from him. Jimmy Butler wound up taking four three-pointers, missed all of those. Not a great night. Even Kyle, who had looked so good over the last couple of nights, Against Dallas in particular, it looked like he was finding his stroke from three-point range, just two of seven overall. That was before the injury. Who knows what would have happened if he had continued to play down the stretch. But you're right. Maybe it was just a matter of not knocking down shots. I, I tweeted this out. I think Boston did a pretty good job of hindering Miami's open looks and just challenging them, again, slowing the tempo down considerably. Right. But there were a lot of shots that were imminently makeable, and I felt like that was a big part of it. They could have... They could have tried to claw their way back a little bit more efficiently, except they were just they were taking bad shots at bad times, and even when they were taking good shots, they just weren't able to hit those. Yeah, I mean, it's just to, when you're, when you're shooting that poorly, it just sort of takes the wind out of your sails, right? And and that's when you start, yeah, taking worse shots, you start settling, you start forcing, right? And, and you start just sort of chucking it up. I mean, they did they took 41 threes tonight. That's right about their average, but based yeah. on how they shot, you'd be like, why would you shoot 41 threes? But you're right, they missed they missed everything from the basket to beyond the arc and. Um, I just, I hesitate to try to read too much into one loss. It kind of felt like at some point Miami needed a little bit of a letdown. What I'm interested to see is how they respond Saturday against 
possibly the best team in the league in Utah. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about that because they might be without Kyle Lowry for that game. So we'll see where they find any kind of stability. Obviously, in their one game without Kyle, they lost to the Indiana Pacers. They might be without him on Saturday night against the Utah Jazz. But we'll talk a little bit more about Kyle's absence in the last segment. And next segment, we'll talk about Duncan Robinson. But first, just a reminder that McDonald's is proudly sponsoring today's episode. They've been serving communities since 1965. They've always been more than just a place for tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and families can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries. Wes, I know you're a big fan of those golden arches every time that you get off the turnpike or when you're going on a long drive. I love or even, it. Yeah, even when you're recapping games uh, around San Francisco, you've got to find a place to get some decent Wi-Fi and get some good, affordable food. You know that McDonald's is always going to be there. They are. They're just dependable. You know what they're, you're going to get from them. And it's always going to be great tasting. It's going to be affordable. And again, just more than great food. They're also a community center of sorts, whether you're having a kid's birthday party or you're just meeting for friends or whether you're just having a study group. McDonald's is always going to be there. So head to your local McDonald's, refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say a lockdown heat watch party? Uh, (laughs) I am loving it. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's an other side of the game that's important. That's mental fitness. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. You don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine, and it's a critical part for all of us. Getting good sleep, he says, and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. Look, he's taking a week off from an abdominal strain. You know he's going to be resting and relaxing and getting his mind and body right for a long playoff stretch. And you know what? You can too. So head to calm.com slash NBA, and for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription with Calm, you have access to nature scenes LeBron loves like rain or leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations so you can be ready for any challenges that life brings you. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and getting 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash NBA. listen every day we are free and available on all platforms we're here recapping that blowout loss of the boston celtics wes goldberg is live at fdx arena i am home having just watched this game and uh, a sour taste in both their mouths i guess one positive thing yeah. to take away from all this is the miami mashup jerseys and the uh, unveiling of their home court how did it look up close let's give something positive yeah. to our listeners here um it looks cool, man. I, I kind of, you know, we were talking about it when the jerseys were first sort of revealed. And I was like, I got to see them in person before I make any sort of judgment. But uh, seeing them in person with the court and everything, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, the jerseys look really cool. And I was a little bit worried about, like, the alphabet soup effect where, like, all these players have, yeah. like, the different numbers, the different designs and stuff being, you know, just no, sort of no. weird and wonky looking. It looked cool. Like, it just, yeah. at the end of the day, it looked cool. I thought it was funny that Kyle Lowry just decided to be like, you know what, I don't need all this. I'm just going to give him my normal number seven, put it on this weird jersey. That's fine. I thought Jimmy Butler had the best combo of the uh, the orange and the pink, I believe yeah. it was. And I thought that one looked really, really special. He actually has, I, I should actually say this, Bernie, the mascot, had the same combination as Jimmy Butler. So that's an observation exclusive to Locked On Heat. 
Um, but uh, what I actually found interesting too was I was talking with uh, um, somebody uh, who knows a little bit about these these jerseys and stuff, and um, they were telling me that like they had to pick these numbers like like a year in advance, right? Like, really? and so. Um, yeah, because when they first came out, I guess they had to do it and then they had to have the right numbers for media day. Like you looked up at the, uh, the, the jumbotron in the middle of FTX, like every time they showed a player, it was like the right number combination and everything like that. So there wasn't like any last minute changes. So I think somewhere like Omer Yurt seven, who wasn't even supposed to be on the team, right. He just had a good summer league. He kind of just got handed the last two sevens that were on the bottom of the bin. And he was like, I guess these are mine. Whereas somebody like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero got to choose theirs like, you know, a year in advance or so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Still look good out there. Uh, I know a lot of people are frustrated, already saying burn these jerseys. They're cursed. But let's not forget <laughs> that the team started off losing. I, I think like the first five or six games when the vice jerseys first came out, and yeah. eventually everybody sort of loved those jerseys. So yeah. I, I wouldn't blame the jerseys too much. I think there was a lot else going on tonight. At least part of that was Duncan Robinson. I know he's getting a lot of grief from Heat fans today because of his struggling from uh, the perimeter, but also just, well, he wasn't having much of an impact. Now, I will say, defensively, it looked like he was playing very well. He's continued to improve on that end. But there are still moments throughout the game where you're going to get one, possibly two, and in tonight's Mm -hmm. case, about three or four really bad plays where he will foul somebody or make an obvious mistake. It's just It felt like it was just piling on for Duncan what were your takeaways from Robinson's performance tonight? Yeah, same. I mean, w- when you're a shooter and that's really all you can do, it's not like Duncan Robinson is making a huge impact defensively. It's not like he's exactly, you know, when it's not working from three-point range, it's not like he's a guy who, like, gets into the paint and starts drawing fouls and stuff either, like Jimmy Butler or somebody like that. So when he's not shooting, you're right. Like, it just sort of tends to pile on, and he starts forcing things and starts making mistakes. And that's not new. This is something that we've seen from Duncan Robinson over the years. So, But I think that's just something that comes with just being a three-point specialist, a shooter like he is. He's trying to round out the other parts of his game. We know this. But ultimately, like, that, this is just who he's going to be. Now, you know, I, he started – the thing is, like, he started the game playing – like, shooting really well, right? Like, we – I think uh, Miami Herald's Anthony Chang probably jinxed him because he tweeted like, you know, uh, Duncan Robinson started four or five from three point range. The shooting slump is over. And then I think Duncan Robinson, after Chang sent that tweet, friend of the show, by the way, not throwing too much shade, but uh, missed his next seven or eight three pointers. Um, He finishes five for 17 from three point range. I mean, just it's just a tough night, especially if you're Duncan. You're like, man, like I'm, I'm shooting really well. These jerseys are lit. I'm doing great. I'm at home. We're, winning, we're, we're, we're leading the Celtics by eight. This is great. You know, it's his hometown team, by the way. The Boston Celtics told reporters this morning that he grew up a Celtics fan, of course, growing up right. in, the, in the Boston area. And, you know, maybe he was feeling a, a certain kind of way, and then he was feeling a very different kind of way by the time the game was over. Now, I can't say – look, we keep – a lot of people want to blame the new Wilson ball and things of that sort. I know that players have said this, Paul George most uh, famously. I know Duncan made some comments on his podcast – we can't do that. We can't look at you know po- you know positive shooting or, or shooters shooting well like Duncan over the last couple of games, and then when he has an off night, just blame the ball. It's not the ball's right. fault. It's not anything to that. Look, there, I know there were a number of bad shots that looked particularly way off. I still don't think it's anything related to the ball, but I, you know I, there, he missed the, gonna, he missed the he missed the rim completely on one from the from the yeah. wing, and that was just like look you back. see something like that, and you're like that's just not a good sign. Again, I, I, I hesitate to, to read too much into it. I don't know. I don't think it's the new ball. I'm dead. These guys adjust to it. They're professional basketball players. They adjust. I know that they're very uh, specific about what the kinds of things that they like, right? We know that professional athletes are very particular about their routines and everything like that. But, like, 
you had enough time to practice with this ball and you've been handling basketballs your entire life. I can't imagine that it's all that different. It's not like Steph Curry suddenly became a worse three-point shooter. You know what I mean? Like he's been fine. So um, I, I still think that I don't want to overreact too much to his to Duncan Robinson's start. Like I know that he Twitter wants to trade this guy and stuff like that or bench him for Tyler Hero or whatever it is. Not happening. It's, it's not the answer, guys. Like just first of all, it's still only eight games into the season. I just I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I, like I said, I, I said this before, but he's a he's a good three point shooter. It's not like he suddenly forgot how to shoot. That's not happening. So he'll oh, yeah. he'll bounce back at some point in a big way. Now, I had asked this of Tyler Hero when he met with uh, media and during the uh, shooter round on Thursday, and I asked him if maybe this was kind of a trap game. It's hard to tell. But I'm just trying to find some way of explaining or quantifying the sluggishness. I know a lot of it, again, has to do with Boston's ability to kind of keep pace with them in a way that Dallas could not when it came to right. fast-break opportunities. But at the same time, they just – there was just no extra energy, no motivation whatsoever. And I know that's kind of simplistic or cliche, but that's that's just the way it looked. I wa- and watching these performances, it was so atypical of what we've seen from this Heat team over the first few weeks of the season, and I just can't seem to quantify it. I don't know if they took Boston lightly. I know everybody else kind of said, oh, you know, th- this is a big game. We have history with Boston. We're going to always try and show our best effort. That doesn't seem the, uh, the case or in the first three quarters. It took – 30 right. minutes of play before they started playing with any kind of visible intensity whatsoever. What do you think? You think it might have been something that kind of like Boston was flying under the radar? Look, Boston on the second night of back to back, and Miami was the yeah. one that started off looking really, really sluggish. No, I just think that you start off missing shots and the wind kind of gets out of your sails. And like I said, I think the Heat were due for a letdown game, and that was just it. Like it's it's a long regular season, and we like to talk about the Heat mentality, the Heat culture, like the best conditioned team, all this stuff, but sometimes you just don't have it. Sometimes you just don't got it. And when it's very obvious that it's just not wor- it's just not going to happen and when you go when you lose the second quarter 33 to 9 and you go 7 plus minutes without making a bat or making one basket like you just at some point you're just you're going to you're going to throw it in. You're not going to play as hard when there's not as much at stake because it's very clear that you're probably going to lose this game and I, I just think this is honestly I just think this is one of those games where you take it, you you throw it out. You don't even watch the film. I don't really see much that you can learn from it. You just hope that Kyle Lowry is better and then you move on. Now, Bam at a bio should get some criticism because we've seen Bam be so aggressive for most of the start of the season. He only took eight field goal attempts. I couldn't exactly I, – I didn't even realize it. I know it had been a quiet night for him. I didn't realize he was limited to just eight field goal attempts, and I don't have any clear explanation. Did you see anything as to what Boston might be doing to take, to take Bam out of the offense? Because he just didn't seem like – I know he's been relying a lot on Kyle getting him those open looks in transition yeah. and things of that sort. He just didn't seem like he had it dialed up. That that was part of it. He also had five turnovers. So it's like I think he was trying to get to his spots, and then he would just turn the ball over. There was a few times where he would just dribble it off his foot or, you know, the ball would get swatted from him. And I don't think it was a lack of trying. I just (laughs) – I think he had to force it, and and Boston had the shooters covered, and and, uh, and they ended up turning the ball over a few too many times, and that's why you only have eight attempts instead of maybe 13 attempts, right, if you hadn't turned the ball over. Now, I will say Jimmy had 20 points in the night to lead Miami in scoring. He also took eight free throw attempts. He missed four of those. Very uncharacteristically bad shooting night at the line for Jimmy. Eight of 18 from the floor. Again, 0 for 4 from three-point range. Just everybody deserves some blame for this one. I I know you don't don't want to point the finger at anyone specifically. You can't. Everybody's at fault here. I don't know if there was anything that Spo could have done differently. I mentioned maybe at some point – that a player like Caleb Martin might have been able to inject some kind of 
athleticism or a spark? I thought I, th- I thought Spo should have went small in that seven minute stretch at the end of the second quarter. I mean, that's when the ball that's when the game really just got away from them. There was just no way of climbing back because that that final seven minute stretch of the second quarter, um, Bam got into a little bit of foul trouble, I believe. There they put Dwayne Deadman in. I was like, yeah. you're not scoring. It had been like three minutes they hadn't scored a basket. And I, I just I couldn't figure out why why not go small put Markeith Morris at center try out that lineup that you guys have been sort of hinting at from the beginning of the season that you haven't really tried or even put PJ Tucker in the middle because he was actually the only player on this team giving you energy tonight um, play him at center and then put as many shooters out there as possible I know that nobody's making the shots but give yourself a chance right and I just thought that that was an opportunity where maybe Spolster could have made an adjustment going small in that pocket of the game and he didn't um, and like I said that's when the game got away from them don't know if going small would have worked but. You, you were kind of backed into a corner, and that's when you start to try stuff, and it just felt like Spo stuck to his regular rotations. Well, speaking of sticking to your regular rotations, it's almost time for Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. There's so much good food and plenty of treats, and, of course, plenty of time to spend time with your family. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, and it's so full of calories and sugars, you want to try something a little different. Well, then try Built Bars. Ch- talk about changing your rotation a little bit. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace a coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're a great option when you're hungry. And if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things a little less awkward. Uh, maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. Why not share it with her? You know, she's not that bad. Anyway, go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only if you go to Built.com. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. You can do so on YouTube or anywhere else you get podcasts. I'm here with Wes Goldberg. We're recapping Miami's tough loss to the Boston Celtics on Thursday night. A sluggish overall game and moreover, perhaps a significant injury to Kyle Lowry midway through the third quarter. Duncan Robinson slid into Lowry's ankle. Lowry crumpled to the ground immediately, was able to hop off the floor under his own power, as Wes mentioned. So maybe that's an encouraging sign. We're really not sure. In a postgame presser, Eric Spolster mentioned that there was no update whatsoever. But we've got a tough road up ahead, and Miami is certainly going to be challenged, especially if they're without Kyle Lowry. So let's talk a little bit about what happens next. Obviously, there's not a lot of options. You're already dealing with the loss of Max Struess. If Kyle Lowry winds up missing any kind of significant time, I will assume right away that he should not play on Utah. On, I'm, I'm sorry, on Saturday against Utah. Like that, you don't want to risk that kind of injury. We already saw him suffer an injury earlier in the season when he missed that Indiana game. Yes, he played the next five after that, and Miami looked really good. But why continue to add stress? You know that he's dealt with that. At one point during the game, you actually mentioned it looked like he was grabbing his wrist. He made a yeah. number of uncharacter- uncharacteristically bad passes following whatever happened to his wrist there. It looked like maybe he had jammed a finger or two. It just didn't seem like he had any kind of control over the ball, sailing over players' heads, etc. And now we get to this ankle injury. 
he probably shouldn't play on Saturday against Utah, and they've got all-star Mike Conley Jr. there at the point. You yeah. know that Lowry's going to be a great help in trying to limit what they do, and they also he would also switch onto Donovan Mitchell a number of times too. Not a lot of options there. Is this the time now to start Tyler Hero in place of Kyle Lowry? Yeah, I'm with you, first of all. I think you need to be as careful as possible with, with Lowry. I mean, this is a big game against Utah, but it's not so big that you it's, – it's still early in the season. There's no reason to, to, to risk it. The most important thing here is that he is healthy for the long term, not healthy for this game on Saturday night. So that being said, it's not just the ankle. We'll see how it responds, but it's the wrist. The wrist was bothering him all night. He kept grabbing at it during breaks. He just clearly, what like you said, like – it just, the ball wasn't leaving his hands the same way that we're used to seeing it, and it was a it was a problem. And I I was kind of wondering even before the ankle injury, I'm watching him out there, you know, uh, holding his wrist in between breaks. I'm like, should he be playing in this game? You know, like it, especially if it keeps going, you know, after the 33 to nine third, second quarter, I'm like, just take him out. So yeah, I think that he needs to start being prepared for a contingency plan in case Lowry can't go because I I, I think that's going to be the case here. And yeah, I think you need to, I think starting Tyler Hero could be. The thing that works, because if it was another team, if it wasn't Utah, I would say, go ahead, just start Gabe Vincent. Keep your keep the integrity of your rotation in place. Go ahead. But um, against Utah, I think you want to come out with some scoring right away. Try to create try to take control of the pace of the game, of that flow of the game, because Utah is going to want to keep things inside, kind of get it to Rudy Gobert, uh, establish themselves defensively early on and. Uh, if they do that early on, it might be too late by the time Tyler Hero checks in midway through the first quarter, right, to kind of take a grasp of the game. So I don't know. I, I think I, I think it's worth experimenting, too, early in the season. Like, push your chips on the table, put Tyler Hero in the starting lineup, and just see what happens. I know that there are going to be concerns, like how do you score off the bench and things like that. You could still stagger uh, Jimmy Butler and, and Tyler Hero the same way you do right now with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and make sure one of those guys are always on the floor. I think there's ways to figure it out. Um, but uh, the bigger question to me, David, is if Kyle Lowry has to miss a significant amount of time, because, we again, we have no idea. Like, is this a sprain? Right. Is this worse? Like, we have no idea what this ankle thing is right now. Do he need to start really thinking about what they want to do at point guard if, if it looks like Lowry has to miss a, a couple weeks or something like that? Um, because I don't think Gabe Vincent is going to cut it, and I don't think t- starting Tyler Hero is the way to go long-term either. That's right. And, and you asked Spo after the game about any updates on Victor Oladipo, and none yeah, have been none. provided. Nope. Yeah, so no no new updates on whether Victor will be available anytime soon. And I've kind of hinted at before that it maybe they might kind of fast-track his return if there was a need for that or if they you know, wanted to make a strong push at some point in the in a regular season. But they also don't want to take an unnecessary risk. If we're talking about benching Kyle for a prolonged period of time not to aggravate his injury, you certainly don't want to do that with a player who's missed most of the past four seasons due to injury, too. So no need to rush Victor out there. Uh, Yeah, that road trip is particularly concerning. And look, I, I also want to start warning all of our listeners and Heat fans in general because... There's a very realistic possibility that Kyle misses a prolonged period of time, just as Max Struess is missing some significant time. And if that's the case, going on this road trip that was already going to be a challenge, even with Kyle in the lineup, there's a very strong possibility that Miami might regress very, very quickly. They might lose four or five of their next five games, to be honest with you. It's going to be a struggle for them to find any kind of consistency. Now, they do play the Lakers in their upcoming road trip. They'll be without LeBron James, so that's a great benefit for Miami. That's a game that Miami might be able to win. 
We'll talk about that as those games move on to schedule. But for now, we're looking ahead and trying to see what the Heat do. If they do wind up missing out on Kyle Lowry for a prolonged period of time, it would be my guess that they are. I don't know. I, I'm coming out of thoughts at this point. Maybe start Tyler. Maybe go with Gabe at some point. You don't have many other options. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up today's episode? No, that's pretty much it. I think, look, you you drafted Brandon Knight to your G League team. <laughs> I don't think that that's quite the option yet. Right now, there are some free agent point guards that if you wanted to go out there, but now you're, you're talking about dipping into the luxury tax at this point because you would have to give them a minimum for the rest of the season, right? Like two-week contracts don't exist in the NBA. So um, I don't. it kind of feels like Miami, if Lowry has to miss a, a, a bunch of time here, they're kind of stuck. Right, unless they could pull off some sort of trade, and they just—we've talked about this before—they don't really have the things to get that kind of deal done right now. So, I—it's I, going to be Gabe Vincent. It's going to be Tyler Hero. Maybe there's some stuff with uh, with with Garrett that you could bring him up and just for another body. But um, we'll see. And this is our last show of the week, so hopefully, no, we know more on Monday. That's right. Uh, you know, I think it was also worth noting that in Eric Spolstra's post-game press conference, he was asked by Ira Winderman. Whether or not you know, Boston might have laid down the template for how to limit Miami's offense moving forward, Spo, you know, has no way of really answering that. To be honest with you, he's going to have to make changes. The rest of the league is going to have to find some way of adjusting. He knew that teams were going to adjust eventually. Boston did a really good job. His answer, we'll see, and we'll see exactly how Miami is able to adapt against the Utah Jazz on Saturday. We won't have a recap for you of that game, but we'll be back. Uh, recording on Sunday for a fresh episode on Monday to start off your week. That'll do it for today's episode of Locked on Heat and for the rest of this week. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Comment and leave a five-star review and reach us on Twitter at Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available on all platforms. That'll do it. I'm David Ramil signing off. Thanks for joining me, Wes. You got it. Wrap it up, B.